Welcome to Coffee with Romina. This is your host, Romina Muhammadai, award-winning leader, negotiation and sales expert, and your new favorite podcaster. Each week, we bring you inspiring stories from extraordinary people of diverse industries, sharing practical advice and tips on how to overcome career and personal obstacles, define your own success, and take charge of your own destination. Thank you for spending time with us today. Now let the show begin. Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome back to Coffee with Romina podcast. This is your favorite podcaster, Romina, and you guys are in for a treat today. We are actually going to talk today about owning the stage and becoming an amazing public speaker. Yes, public speaker. As we are opening up, going back to the normal or close to the normal as we can at this point after this crazy global pandemic, you guys, public speaking, it's been an industry that has been blossoming for years. And now more than ever, people are actually looking forward to attending public events because they miss that in-person interaction. I know I'm not the only one that is kind of sick and tired of being on Zoom calls, right? Because we definitely want to see the person, maybe shake hands or maybe say hi or maybe get that in-person conference, which is a whole nother experience than a virtual one. So for today's guest on the podcast, we have Carrie Hibbs. I'm super excited about this one, you guys, because numero uno, she is amazing. Carrie comes from the pageant industry and she's been in the industry for quite forever. So she definitely comes with a lot of knowledge to share with us. But also she is the founder of Book Speak Repeat, which is a public speaking academy. It will literally walk you through the systems and help you reserve public speaking and master your public speaking skills. So today we're actually going to talk about uh, numero uno, how to own the stage. We're going to talk about what are things to definitely promote into a reel. Uh, she actually covers a lot of cool information with us, what event planners hate on reels and what they love seeing. So that's super duper important. Number three, how important is the energy mirroring when it comes to the audience and how to Organize an audience even when you have one of those crazy audience attendees that just throws one question and just sometimes can throw the whole, you know, session off the loop. But how can you regain control of the situation? And what I love also is the peacock effect. Like she likes to explain it that whenever you place people in the right environment or whenever you allow them to own the stage and bring the best of themselves, they have the peacock effect, the, you know, the feathers, amazing feathers on the background. And it's just an amazing view. I don't want to spoil the episode for you guys. I definitely want you guys to enjoy it. But before we do so, just a quick reminder to go ahead and hit that subscribe button wherever you are getting your podcast just from. As well as if you are listening from Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us a five-star review and a short comment. Tell us how amazing we are doing. And you guys, you have been really phenomenal at this because just within the last month, we have gotten over 30 new reviews. So let's actually get the review number at 100. Go ahead and give it the five-star review, guys. Did you Did you do it yet? Why, why not? Well, go ahead and give us a five-star review and a short comment and tell us how amazing we are doing. We would love to hear from the audience because it definitely helps out on the Apple Podcast algorithm. You guys already know that. Want to learn more about Carrie? Go ahead and look at the show notes. Click on the links there, you guys, for my lazy listeners. It's only click away. So go ahead and do so. Tell her you love this episode. Numero uno, numero dos. Go ahead and connect with me on Coffee with Romina on social media. Check out the website connectwithromina.com for future articles coming your way as well. And with Carrie, we actually do touch base about the entrepreneurship world as well. 
well since she has been an entrepreneur for 17 years you guys so we definitely have an amazing guest i'm just gonna have to say that and at the end of the interview as a matter of fact she has an amazing message for all my entrepreneur friends out there so definitely go ahead and stick until the end of the episode you guys and i don't want to say anything else but uh enjoy hey carrie how are you doing today i am great ramina thank you for having me here today Absolutely. Well, I'm super excited about today's episode, you guys, because today's guest, Carrie, as a matter of fact, comes from a different background. She was a part of the pageant world for the longest time ever. She has been helping multiple entrepreneurs out there to actually go ahead and scale their business to a whole nother level. And I definitely want to be able to pick up your brain a little bit and help our entrepreneur listeners. But before we get started, I would love to pass on the mic to you to tell us a quick recap about how did you go even having the career that you currently do? Well, basically, it's, you know, entrepreneurship, it's never a straight line. And, you know, I started when I was very young, I grew up in an entrepreneurial household, and started from there. Parents being entrepreneur, you know, always talking about business, new business ideas at the dinner table, the breakfast table or anything, it always influences you long term. I can definitely relate with that. <laughs> I definitely want to ask you, so before we get started to your current big project, which I love to highlight more, but I wanted to actually cover a little bit because like I mentioned earlier, you do come from the pageant world. And I'll I'll be honest, um, I was, you know, a little <clears throat> skeptic whenever I learned about the pageant world because I felt it was just about being beautiful and, you know, waving your hand and looking like a little queen, but it's a lot more on the back end. So I'd love for the audience to learn from you a little bit about this girl as there are in the contents. How do they build their resilience and how much work actually goes on the back end that the audience doesn't see for the final result? So with the pageant industry, one thing that I love about it, Romina, is that it really helps to build that confidence level, which we all need, you know, especially if we're going to be entrepreneurs, you're going to develop some pretty thick skin. You know, when I was younger, I was very shy, very introverted. I got bullied a lot in high school and had a really, really tough time. And a lot of people are surprised when I tell them that. But what got me out of my comfort zone and, and when I really kind of started to come into my own was right when I got into college. College. I started, it was kind of like a late bloomer. And I wound up really, you know, making it where, you know, people were telling me, gosh, you should be a model. At the time, I had a pixie haircut. So I looked a lot like Twiggy, the model from the 60s. And I was super skinny, a size two, three. And I, it piqued my curiosity enough that I went and I found a modeling agent two hours away. I wound up taking some modeling classes. And it's what I like to call the peacock effect, where Someone with low self-esteem, you kind of, you, you know, like the peacock, when you first see it, it darts behind a tree, it hides from you, and then it kind of comes, it sticks its head out, and then all the, you know, it starts strutting around, and then the colors come out, it spans out that big tail, you know, the fan tail, and you get to see all of its beautiful colors, and to me, that's the same effect that the modeling industry, and actually pageant industry, also had on me, and who knows where I would be had I not encompassed all of that. So I tell people all the time, put your children in any kind of competitive sport, whether that's pageantry, baseball, whatever, it teaches you how to you know, take rejection. And that's a part of life. It's the people who can't handle rejection that have the toughest time, especially as an entrepreneur. So to me, it's a, it's a huge thing because you can't put a price tag on how you feel about yourself. 
Well, first off, I'd like I'd like to mention that I love the peacock comparison because they just shy and everything, and then once they blossom, it's out there. It's it's gorgeous. Everybody pulls out their phone and, and stares or takes <laughs> pictures. Which they that's, do. Yeah. yeah, that's very true. So I love that comparison, but I also love how you did mention that you need to get used to rejection because not only on the entrepreneurship world, but even on the adult life, you do mm-hmm. get rejections left and right. How do you build that tough skin to overcome objections? Because you said you were a close person at the beginning in high school, and then you blossomed more in college. Did they just everything kind of happen for you waterfall without you realizing it? Or what, what was your process? I think it kind, of, it kind of did. I mean, for me, it was one of those things that I just didn't view. I, I mean, I always knew I looked different. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I have like some of my old modeling photos on Facebook. So when people, if they're interested in seeing, they can go to my page and look and they're like, wow. But I didn't look at it that way. And I still don't. I'm like, okay, I know I look good. I look different. I had a unique look and I loved participating in that industry. But yeah, once I made that mind shift, you know, once I, I kind of started getting that confidence level and seeing myself in a different way, seeing myself the way that strangers saw me, I'm like, wow, this, this is pretty cool. So it does really help you. And it, it kind of helps alter and shift that perception. But once you make that mind shift about anything in your life, about your business, about the product you sell, everything will change. Everything. So you're saying everything starts from within, as long as you have the confidence from within, then you're, you're halfway there? Yeah. And I think most people would agree with me that, you know, once you you make that shift in your head that you're, you know, hey, this is great. You notice that change and people pick up on it. I, I really believe in energy. And if your energy is bad, you're going to send that out there and that's what you get back. It's bad energy, you know. So if you are an entrepreneur and you're like, I got to make a sale today, I've got to do it. I got to do it. I need it really bad. But then you shift your mindset to be like, okay, I want to see, you know, I'm going to make a sale today. I want to see if I can actually make two. I know I've already got that one and I see it in my head. And you'd be surprised where people will actually reach out to you because they're ready to buy. But it's all about believing in yourself. And and again, you do. You really need that if you're going to have your own business. Well, what we're talking also about is instead of running with the you know, with a survival mindset, you're going to run with a strive mindset. Because if you run with a survive, you, everything you're doing, everything you're thinking, the energy that you reflect in is how do I survive today for one sale to cover X expense, for example? Or how do I survive today? So my mood doesn't get even worse than what it is. So that's a big mindset. But you did mention through the entrepreneurship career that you've been having, of course, entrepreneurship world, it's a roller coaster. It has its down and lows. But I want to definitely ask you, what would you say has been one of your downs that also you would consider your most blissful moment of your career so far? Oh, gosh. Well, that's um, that's a great story. That's actually when I first started my business. So taking you back 16 years ago, when I first went out on my own, I was working in the corporate industry as a recruiter. Mm -hmm. And part of my job was business development, which I was very good at. So I had to do a lot of events. Well, I also decided the year prior, I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to have it. This is what I want to do. I want to have my own business. I want to be the boss. I want to make the decisions. So I started planning. I worked part time in the evenings. I went back to my old thing where I was teaching modeling classes at John Casablanca. 
uh, in the evenings on, on the weekends, that money back then, you know, you didn't have as many software and opportunities to do your own site. You'd have to pay someone else to do it. So that was my first thing that I was working on. And, you know, I got up to the point where it was like two weeks prior, I put my two week notice in. I worked that out that Friday. I was like, I'm free. You know, I'm like, I'm not going to have any more problems. I don't have to, you know, that Monday I woke up at my normal time and I'll never forget this. It was very overcast. Uh, It was the summertime. So we, you know, it rains a lot here in central Florida. And I remember getting up, I went to my dining room window. I looked out the window and again, it was really kind of overcast, a little bit foggy. And I thought, oh gosh, what did I just do? But that one moment, I was like, you know what? You're, you're following your dreams. That's what you're doing. So it was like a split second. I was like, oh, gosh, maybe I shouldn't have done this to no, you did the right thing. And I tell everyone, you know, you're always going to have doubts. You will always doubt yourself. You will have consistent doubts throughout your entrepreneurial journey. That's totally normal. Um, it's not going to be every day is great. But I will tell you, my best day as, you know, in corporate, I wouldn't trade my worst day as an entrepreneur for my best day in corporate because there's not, if it's the right fit for you, there's nothing like it. That was like a pivotal moment for me when I was just starting out that I still remember and I still refer back to. And it's like, you know, whenever I get down or I'm like, I'm having a really bad day and I'm like, why am I doing this? I reflect back on that moment. And it's it, it helps ground me and be like, OK, this is why you're doing it. You know why, you know, and and that time that, that you spend brooding on that as time goes by, it gets shorter and shorter and shorter. You know, you might like in the beginning, I may have spent a day on it. Well, now it's like maybe two minutes, you know, but you're always going to have those doubts, you know, like, am I doing the right thing? Am I, you know, but you just have to kind of pull yourself back from the fire. I love how you said even your best day in corporate, it's not as good as your worst day as an entrepreneur. Because in my mindset, we all have those downtimes as entrepreneurs, even if you have, if you're a full-time entrepreneur to the listeners, or even if you're just trying to start a side hustle while you're still working a full-time job, or maybe you have two part-time jobs, whatever the deal it is. It's a constant mind marathon. That you need to make sure that once, you know, a stone gets thrown from the mountain while you're running the marathon, you dodge it and then you keep running. Because if you let you, if you let it hit it, hit you, it's going to hurt you emotionally. You're not, you're just going to overthink everything in your mind. But mm-hmm. another thing that I wanted to ask you is whenever you got started, I'm sure you work more than 40 hours because that's entrepreneurship life, right? Well, in corporate <laughs> yeah. life, you work those 40 hours. I'd have done corporate before you feel exhausted. Everybody's waiting for their Friday so they can enjoy the weekend. So to the crazy entrepreneurs out there, can you please explain for your life, why are you willing to work more than 40 hours, (laughs) make your own schedule, do what you like, and run this crazy marathon that we're talking about whenever you can go to corporate, have those juicy benefits sometimes, and have that steady, you know, income biweekly. I'm laughing because my answer is going to seem so insane to people. I'm ready for this. (laughs) I know. I I would have to say the reason, and I can't speak for everybody, but the reason it makes sense for me is because those 40 hours that I could be working in corporate versus the 80, which you, you do work more hours as an entrepreneur, but it doesn't, it's 80 hours. I pick those. 
and I am picking what I'm working on and I am spending that time. I am choosing to do that where when you work for someone else, they're picking and choosing what you're doing. They are picking and choosing your hours and it is not fulfilling your passion. That's why people who work 40 hours a week who are supposed to be over here in the entrepreneur category are so burnt out. And that 40 hour work week is no longer existent now because so many people are working from home. They're actually working more than 40 hours a week. Yeah, because the workload went up, but you know. Exactly, exactly. Where, you know, it's just like Jim Palmer, who I have interviewed before. He's a, a business coach, great guy. But I'll never forget when I interviewed him, it's like his reasoning was, I, as an entrepreneur, I get to pick which 80 hours a week I'm going to work, you know. So we will go to great lengths to not have to go and and give up that. And it's not an ego thing. I, I think for a lot, like with me, what drives me is my passion to help other people get the word out about what they're doing, because there's somebody that needs to hear your message. OK, they need to hear about your platform, about, you know, something you say or do is going to change their life for the better or change their business for the better. So I take that very seriously. So that's my passion. That's what drives me. That's what OK, I'm you know, that's what gets me up, you know, at seven o'clock in the morning, even though I went to bed at two o'clock because I was working on the magazine or I was working on a proposal or working on my speech. I, that's what drives me. Yeah. Whereas you flip the tables, if you're working a 40 hour work week and you worked until two o'clock in the morning for your company and you're expected to get up and be at work at eight o'clock, I would be like, I'm calling in sick or take, I'll come in late. You know, it's like, you're not going to do There should that. be a law in there that you can not for corporate. There should be a law that you can, <laughs> you need to have limited time between. But that's yeah. so, that's so true though, because right now it's like 1230 to the guys that were recording this episode because everything is per recorded, of course, but it's like 1230. I went to bed at five and I woke up at seven and I have two hours of sleep and a bunch of coffee and I love it. And I'm still super energized. But yes, if I also feel like, and correct me for here, but I feel like you can have your own office. You can have your cubicle. You can have the space for corporate. But I feel like there's always a gun in my head with a time that I need to do what somebody else told me to do compared mm -hmm. to whenever you run your own schedule, even though yeah. it might be more loaded. But if you have an emergency, you need to take the day off. Uh, you have the flexibility for it. If you need to give yourself, you know, your employer bonus, which is just you whenever you first get started, you can do that if you can financially afford it as well. And if you're slacking, it's in you. Like you, you are the person. You have to start, you know, having that ownership of whatever you do. Your business is strictly on you. You're not going to have your frontline manager or your higher executives to blame anymore. It's strictly on you to what you do. And, you know, and I would agree with you. It's just like with myself. I mean, because I work from home, obviously, you can tell from my background. And, you know, a lot of times as an entrepreneur, you know, if I am working until two o'clock in the morning and I want to sleep in the next day, I have that flexibility. You That's know, also um, good. Yeah. Like my, my mother asked me one time, what are you doing taking a nap in the middle of the afternoon? It's like, because I can. But it's also what, what she's not seeing is all of the work that got done maybe while she was asleep. You know, yes. um, they're not seeing that. It's just like a lot of people are like, I don't know, you know, why don't you come and join us for lunch? Oh, I can't. 
you know, well, you're the boss, you can take, but yeah, but if I'm in the middle of doing something or I have a deadline myself, because I still have to stay accountable, clearly, you know, I can't always do that. Or, you know, if you do work from home where people are like, hey, since you work from home anyway, could you, could I have a UPS package delivered here? Could I, and it's like, no, I'm not sitting around watching TV or, 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 you know, not really doing anything. I am still working. I have a different workflow than what, what other people have. Now, this may not work for someone who I'm super structured, believe it or not, even though I, you know, but I, I have my own routine. And if I were to try to go back to corporate at this point, I, yeah, they'd be taking me out in a straitjacket. I wouldn't be able to do it, you know. Well, what they say about entrepreneurs, we're the, we would be the worst employees ever. Uh, because we want to run our own schedule. <laughs> we will be very super productive. We're just not going to meet your schedule. We're going to do it in our own terms. But we'll be your best employee in productivity, your worst in the time. <laughs> yeah. HR's oh. worst nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I definitely want to talk a little bit about you because you're also the founder for Book, Speak, and Repeat. Yeah. First and foremost, I want you to tell the audience how did this idea come about? And you also have a whole academy is behind it. But let's actually let the audience know, first and foremost, what is Book, Speak, and Repeat? And how did the idea even get started? Well, Book, Speak, Repeat um, is a separate, you know, I have more than one one leg of my business. So this side of it, we actually work with, um, you know, speakers brand new for our academy or people who are established who need additional help getting more opportunities so they can secure more stages. The idea for this came from, Ramina, when I first started out on my own, I kind of fell into speaking. It wasn't something I was looking at doing. I just sort of fell into it. Because I was a recruiter prior to that and did a lot of business development, I taught a class at the knowledge shop, which they're no longer around, but they were kind of like a learning annex type uh, setup. And it was called resume writing and interviewing techniques. So I would teach that class. People would hear about it. And I did it for lead generation. I did get paid, but I basically would do the class and people would hear about it. I would have colleges that would call me and say, hey, we have a graduating class. Could you come and talk to them? Or like maybe an HR department who's like, hey, I we understand you also do recruiting. Can you come in and, and like help us? So I would have meeting planners who came and they sought me out. I would go do the event, collect my check and go home. So I sort of fell into it. It wasn't something I was looking at doing. I got away from it for many years and probably about six years ago, I said, you know, I I told my team, I said, I really miss speaking and sharing the stage and sharing my message. I really want to get back into that. So we started looking at, okay, what do we need to do to start, you know, getting me back out there again? The first couple of weeks, my first gut reaction was like, you have got to be kidding me. I'm like, this is insane. The it's changed so much. You know, it's, it used to be there were more, paid engagements and there were speakers. Well, now there's more in, more speakers than there are paid engagements, The uh, which isn't a bad thing, but, you know, there's different, you know, the association and trade organizations, if you want to speak with them, even for a keynote anymore, you're filling out their call for speaker form or RFP. You know, you follow their process. If you want to speak to the college market, depending upon whether you want to speak to college students or the staff, 
that's going to dictate who you talk to, either the director of campus activities and how you approach them and what you should say and what their process is, or even the corporate colleges, you know, the corporate division of each college. And the same thing too with private company, you know, private company events, private company trainings, depending on what you're trying to do, that's going to dictate who you talk to yeah. and the process that you take. So I don't scare easy, but this process actually made me take a step back and go, whoa, wait a minute, what? So and many loops us, that you have to go through. Yeah, well, it took us about six months before I got a good process going because I'm a process girl. We got the process going. I started getting booked and then rebooked. And I'm like, okay, this is this is on repeat. The, the process is on repeat. And I said, I told my team, I said, listen, this was a challenge for me. I can only imagine, you know, a brand new speaker coming out there, how this would scare them and they would run away and say, I'm not doing this. Or even like an established speaker, why they were struggling. So that's where the idea of book, speak, repeat, that's where it was born. So, you know, we have a, a process now. It's pretty much their do-it-yourself programs, regardless of which one you get in. There is support from me. They get a certain amount of that in the beginning. And then, of course, we do weekly conference calls for people if they have questions and so forth. We have a lot of back-end content. We send them the call for speaker forums each week so they can fill it out. We send them media opportunities because branding is a big thing. You're getting interviewed. It, it's key. People need to know who you are. So we have a nice process set up, and it's just pretty much as long as people are following the process and and doing the work, they're getting booked. It's been a great journey. I mean, there's been a lot of changes to it and perfecting, and I'm sure I'll do more of that as time goes on. But I really like what we've, you know, created and we're helping people. And that's, that's, you know, the big part of it. It's helping people get out there, get their message out there. I love it. And I actually wanted to ask you, because you said you kind of fell into it. So it's not like you went with the purpose of being a public speaker. Now, maybe somebody has this on the back of their mind that they want to be a public speaker or they think it's a great opportunity once they learn also the paying fees and everything of that nature. What would you say it's the recipe for the skills that you need to have in order to be a great and a successful public speaker? First and foremost, you need to be passionate about your message. The minute you make it all about the money rather than your message, that's when you will run into problems, mostly financial, meaning you're not getting booked. That is the biggest mistake I see speakers make. The second one would be follow-up. You need to have a good follow-up system because the event industry, it doesn't happen all at once. Like the things that are coming across now for, you know, hey, we're looking for educational content providers. It's for early part of 2022. Uh, in a month or two, it's going to be second quarter of 2022. So they book out like the events that I have next month. They were both booked in February of last year. Okay, so they book educational lineup. It's it's done very early. The earliest, you know, private company trainings, I haven't seen anything happen earlier than three months. So you're planning out future income. So you better have a good follow up system. You know, if you talk to a meeting planner in January, you better be setting up the next step, you know, of, hey, I know you're not going to be making a decision for a couple of weeks. Is it OK if I call you or, or you know, the last week of the month or, or whatever you determine with them, but it's your job to do that follow-up. So that would be uh, number two. It's, it's not having a good follow-up system. I see 80% of the opportunities that are lost are lost because of that. And I would say lastly would be there's many speakers who try to push the work off on someone else. 
meaning they have an assistant or they hire a virtual assistant to do all of this for them. And then they never get booked because the reason being the minute you take yourself out of the process, it's no longer you, it's someone else. Okay, you, you may need to customize a presentation or you or they may have a certain question, you know, how are you going to do this for our audience? And the VA can't answer that. Your assistant can. You're the speaker. You take the stage. You answer those questions. I love it. So first and foremost, I want to stop at the follow up system because coming from the sales world, that just triggers the sales brain in me. Because if you don't follow up with your current clients, then unfortunately, you're not going to be able to get referrals, which that's that can be 100% conversion. You don't have to go through the whole pitch and through the whole spiel. You can just say, hey, anybody in your network that you think can def- definitely benefit from such such a topic or, hey, I'd love to connect with you and maybe learn more. You Just follow up itself. That's important. But also kind of going back to the third point, the third point is also important because if you are the expert on the field, but if you're allowing a third party, such as your assistant or your VA to maybe even conduct the research, the way I, how I look at it, whenever I, for example, do research for my conversations, even on the podcast itself, whenever I do research on my guests, it's not the same research that my editing team does. My Mm -hmm. editing thing's different. My brain thinks different. So if you're going to be the face, the brand, and if you're going to be the stage, you need to look at the material yourself because how we process information, it's very different at the same time. And if you want your, you know, your carry element or your Romina element or a John Doe element in there, you know, you need to definitely put up your spice to all the ideas that you're going to draw down for the, for the engagement. But another thing that I definitely wanted to ask you is because like you mentioned from years ago till nowadays, every industry has changed. So it has speaking industry before you wouldn't have a mini computer on your hands that as soon as you get distracted with something, you just pick up your phone and you just lost the attention of the speaker. What can speakers do to keep up their engagement whenever they are getting threatened by the technology, even when they're on stage? Because nobody's going to collect the cell phones to say, "Okay, you ready? This is not a... (laughs) This is not a fifth grade class. Collect the cell phones before a test. So what can speakers do to keep that engagement going and not ruin their confidence too whenever maybe somebody picks up their phone and, you know, starts typing it away instead of looking at the speaker? Mm-hmm. Well, a couple of things you have to realize too, when you have an audience and it really, you know, I, I've spoken at, you know, there was a, a couple of years ago, I spoke at the Veterinary Association they had me come in and do, it was, I was there for a half day. I was doing like four different segments. It was just the way they had their show set up. So I would have some that would come for like the morning class and then they'd come back for like the afternoon segment. And then I would have people who would just be coming in and out of the rooms because they're kind of, they're at the, it's an association trade show. They're there for three days. They're meandering around They're You know, I even had someone who came in and I don't know if they had partied too much the night before, but they were in the back row snoring they they fell asleep they were snoring you know so i knew it had nothing to do with my presentation i actually seen that on conferences before people falling yeah, asleep I mean, it's going deeper just prepare yourself that you know it's going to happen expect anything from an audience i mean you know logistically you you could have that you could have people who are picking up their phone and they're but i never try to take that personal simply because you know they might be you know, again, they're at an association trade show. They're, they left their business for three days. They can't completely leave it. So if they're just politely, they're texting or whatever, and they put their phone back down, I don't take that personally. Um, now, if somebody was being loud and obnoxious and I don't know, maybe they were intoxicated, there, there's events that that's happened at, you know, you go do a trade show in Vegas. That's a great, that would be a great example. 
you know, people are intoxicated all the time. You're, you know, it doesn't matter if it's eight o'clock in the morning, you know, then at that point, they always have for the associations, they usually have a, a room person there that can take care of that for you. But you have to be prepared to handle anything. I mean, I've had hecklers in my audience before, you know, you got to be prepared for that. And Wait, have had what? Uh, what, what I would call, what comedians call them hecklers, which basically I, I had somebody who I would call an active participant. They were, they were mad, um, not at me, but it was a pretty big event. It was in Toronto. Uh, I think I had 200 people in my workshop. A lot of times at the associations, they're going to get continuing education for the classes that they take during the event, which mine produced, I, I got, you know, they got one credit hour for doing my body language class. Mm-hmm. There were a group of women who came in, they were mad. Workshop they went to prior to mine, they thought they were going to get three credit hours. They only got one. So they came in in a really bad mood. <laughs> so with me, normally I'm very chatty with, you know, I come in as people are entering the room. I'm introducing myself. Hi, I'm Carrie Eves. I'm the speaker today. Why, you know, was there a particular reason you signed up for today's class? Something special you wanted to learn? That helps me connect with the audience members, yeah. you know, before I take the stage. So I always do that. These ladies have walked in after the fact and not even two minutes into my presentation, I always let people know, uh, look, we're going to do a Q&A afterwards. But listen, if you have a quick question, you know, while you're something you don't understand, just raise your hand. I'm happy to, you know, answer any questions you have. As soon as I said that, her hand goes up. And I said, yes, ma'am. You know, and she goes, she stands up and she says, you know, I don't believe in body language. I don't think there's anything to it. I don't have time to interview people and evaluate their body language. And she sits down. So everybody, their their head shifts from her to me. Like, how are you going to respond like, to that? What's happening? What's the comeback? So I, I said, you know what, ma'am? You're absolutely right. That is a great point. And I said, it is difficult to interview and evaluate body language at the same time. But that's why you're here. And that's what I'm going to teach you today. And I went right back into my spiel. So you learn to roll with these punches. And the only thing that's going to make you better at that is experience and having it happen and and learning to deal with it. And sometimes you might say something, it may flop. And did this person still three other times, their hand went up, they got mad at someone else who had the microphone who was asking a question because they couldn't hear her. And I, I'm just like, oh my gosh. But it was it was interesting. But that's what I found out afterwards. And the reason I know that is because she did come up to me afterwards and she said, oh, wow, I really learned a lot. And I really liked your color segment. She was in a much better mood. But that's what she was mad about. It had nothing to do with my presentation. So this brings up an interesting point. What I want to piggyback off of on this, Ramina, if I'm if I if we're okay for time is that, you know, I see a lot of speakers who also make the mistake of investing in what they call a speaker reel, you know, or a sizzle reel, you know, where you've got that one minute, here's me presenting. Meeting planners hate those. And I'm going to tell you why. They hate those because, number one, it doesn't tell me, like as a meeting planner, usually it's panning out to the audience. And, you know, it you, they may pan in on someone who is asleep or on their phone. That doesn't do you any justice. Okay. I don't care how many other people are in the room. The other thing is, is they don't put in enough content. Like they might hear the speaker say one or two sentences. That's not enough for them to be like, oh, wow, I got to book this person. But the third reason is, is because it doesn't tell me how you're going to respond to the electric going out, you know, things that can go wrong at an event. 
you getting a heckler like what I had in my audience. Uncontrollable. Out of control person. How do you handle that? It doesn't tell me how you're going to react if, if the PowerPoint doesn't work or if your microphone doesn't work. It doesn't really show me what I need to know. So it's a waste of time to even have it. I had a meeting planner say to me one time when we were sending over speakers, she said for her, she hates the speaker reel too, but she said, just show me it. Just if you want to do video, just show me a video of you. Tell me something, take one minute and tell me something that's going to make me want to get up and change my life. So if you speak on communication, give me one tip in one minute that's going to make me change the way I communicate with people. I don't care about the lighting. I don't care about the, the audio. As long as I can see you and hear you, it's what you say that's going to really get you this job. Okay. Cause it is, it's a job. It may be a 30 minute job, an hour long job. Nonetheless, it's a job. So keep in mind that, you know, your, your presentation is going to get better with time. You know, there's nothing, there's no program you can go through that when you get out of it, that it's going to prepare you for anything. Cause again, expect anything from the audience. Anything can happen. That is so true. <laughs> the the audience will always surprise you, but that's so true though, because you can have a lot of uncontrollables. And if you're not mentally prepared, mm-hmm. then you'll be thrown. You know, if you don't have, if you haven't pra- uh, practiced your presentation, if you don't know your presentation back and forth, if the electricity goes out, if the mic goes out, you still have to go and you still have to bring your A game in because also those are the memorable parts to you guys. Like if, mm-hmm. if a presentation went really smooth or if, you know, the mic broke and the TV, you know, the screen broke, but the speaker was still able to control the whole thing and the audience learned a lot, the second person is going to be more memorable. I mean, that's just how it is, just speaking facts. Now, before we jump to the final questions, I actually wanted to ask you this too, um, kind of relating it with the pageant, pageant world too. How do you mentally own the stage before you even walk in it? Well, me personally, two things that I, I do is I prepare. You know, I'm, I'm always preparing, you know, I'm always working on my presentation, uh, whether that's my PowerPoint or working on my actual presentation, doing it here at my home, just making sure my timing is good. If I add jokes, making sure that my timing with the joke is good. And then, you know, obviously, too, one thing I do before I take the stage, like usually, you know, like if I'm traveling and I'm going to an event, if I have to speak in the morning, I'll get up that morning. And I always say a little prayer and I just say, you know, God, put the right words in my mouth that these people need to hear. And as long as I'm doing those two things, I I haven't had any problem. I've been able to just, you know, I've been able to hit them, you know, hit it out of the park. I haven't had any knock on wood, like really, really bad. I mean, I've had some that were bad, but not anything to the point where I'm like, oh man, I'm never going to get booked again. So as long as I'm doing those two things. So I think people have to pick what's going to build their self-esteem, but I've always found preparation and prayer are two important things. I'm giggling over here because you said knock on wood and I knocked on my wood. And then to the audience, you guys, you heard a little bark. That's my dog thinking somebody knocked on the door, okay? So just... (laughs) So, <laughs> I mean, the audience already knows we have a pop star in the building, everybody, but that was, she just ran in the front door. But that's all very true though, because preparation, that's a, that's a very key important thing. A lot of people don't prepare enough. I've been in multiple conferences. I've spoken multiple times and you can tell when the speaker is prepared and you can tell when a speaker is not. I feel like it's also disrespectful to the audience if you're not prepared enough, because if it's just one of your things on the to-do list, you're also taking an opportunity from somebody that might have had an amazing presentation that would look good. The audience will look good. So definitely, you know, take 
take it seriously. Like people are giving you their time of the day and that's one asset that you never get back in your life time. So take it seriously and definitely do the research for my public speakers out there and for my podcasters. Whenever you're ready for a podcast, do the proper research, you guys. Oh my God, Carrie, I feel like we can continue talking for days here. But I definitely uh, want to ask you our closing questions. First and foremost, I'm sure you're working on a new project and I'd love to hear about it. What's something that you're definitely working on and you'd love to let the audience know as well? I mean, obviously we have Book Speak Repeat that's, you know, ongoing, um, you know, where we're working with speakers. And then, you know, the flip side, we've kind of, you know, made some changes in the pageant industry. You know, I have my cosmetics line, K-Couture Cosmetics. And then we have our clothing and accessory line with Carrie Studio, where we carry clothing and accessories for women. And we will have a small thing for, you know, for men too, a small uh, group of things for men. That's something we actually include in our membership where, you know, women speakers get 25% off of their purchase in Carrie Studio. So that's been a big thing for me because obviously with the modeling industry background that I have, and I, I have a thing for fashion. I love clothing. And I think when people look their best, they feel their best, they'll present their best. So that is something that we're uh, focusing some of the attention on this year for the remainder of uh, 2021 is Carrie's studio and K-Couture Cosmetics as well. So that's something I'm real excited about. That's exciting. That's awesome. And I love how everything it's diversified too. So use all the skills that you have and be able to diversify it. I mean, talking about entrepreneurship, you guys, Carrie is going to hit 17 years soon. Definitely reach out to her. If you have speaking, you know, it if you definitely so long when you say it like 17 years. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's at this point, you know, uh, definitely I want the audience to reach out if they want to learn about your speaking academy to definitely go ahead and get their speaking skills going, go go ahead and improve themselves. And where can people also connect with you if they want to learn even about the jewelry? Well, bookspeakrepeat.com is our main website, but uh, Carrie's Studio, and it's K-E-R-R-Y-S-S-T-U-D-I-O, so carriestudio.com, uh, and they can shop and look at the catalog and see all the different things that are available. Perfect. And then for my lazy listeners, I'll put the links on the show notes, you guys, so just a tap away. You guys don't have to, like, you know, type all that up, so just a tap away, look on the show notes. Now, okay, let me ask you my favorite question that I love asking people. I know I'm biased, but this is my favorite question. What is your personal definition of success? My personal definition of success is that I, I made a difference, you know, that I impact, I've made an impact on someone else's life. If something were to happen and I were to expire tomorrow, I pass away. I've done a lot of the things that I've wanted to do. So that also factors into, you know, my success is that I don't have that many regrets as far as things that I've tried. Um, but that I've made an impact. That is my personal definition. You know, did I make an impact on other people? And I know I've made a footprint on other people's lives, which makes me feel great. I had a small part to do with their success. And that makes me feel good. I love it because you can have an impact on somebody's life and that person improves their life. Their, you know, circles life is a domino effect that goes along with everything. Any, any last thing you'd like to leave the audience with? Maybe something I didn't ask you or something that you'd like to share a last minute thought? Um, I would just say, I think, you know, just a couple of tips I'd like to share real quickly for entrepreneurs, uh, just some notes that I had jotted down um, prior to the call. But, you know, three things I would say to people, if you're looking at starting your own business, it is one of the most wonderful things you could possibly do. But never underestimate the workload. Um, I think so many people do that. They think it's going to be hang the sign up and people will come. There's so much more to it. 
be prepared to wear many hats. Like you were saying, you know, talking about sales, a lot of people, if they're an accountant or a financial planner, you know, you're going to have to get good at selling yourself. And that's where your passion comes in. So whatever you're starting your business for, it needs to be centered around your passion. That's going to pull you through many, many times. Just know you're going to have growing pains. You're going to have, you know, you're going to have a different set of problems than what you would have working for someone else. But in the end, it's always worth it because you get this is your ship and you get to steer it into whatever port you want to, any ocean way you want to, you're the captain. So treat that very seriously. I like that. You're the captain. That's a that's a great way to end the episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you so so much for being a part of Coffee with Romina podcast. Thank you for having me. It was such an honor. Absolutely. And for you, my dear listeners, uh, make sure to go ahead and hit that subscribe button wherever you are listening to this podcast from, wherever you are getting your podcast juice from. And if it is Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us a five-star review and a short comment. Tell us how amazing we are doing. Tap on the show notes on the links to connect with Carrie. Tell her that you love this episode on Coffee with Romina podcast. And until our very next episode, I hope you guys have a fabulous week. Your favorite podcast with Romina is up for now. This podcast is a 6-7 Radius production. To learn more about 6-7 Radius, our services, and how we can help you strategize your marketing and increase your sales, click the service tab on connectwithromina.com.